So Habakkuk chapter 2, if you would. Old Testament, around 1,200 pages in my Bible. And we're going to look at chapter 2, verse 1. Give me an amen when you get there. And as you're getting there, uh, why do we do goals? Why do we talk about goals? Why do we have goals? Because if you don't have goals, you don't have aim. A goal is an aim. What that means is if you're shooting at something and there's no target, it's kind of hard to know what you're shooting at, right? Hey, let's go shooting. Well, if you went shooting for fun, unless you went out and did a, a lot of people go out to shoot shooting range and everything. If you don't have anything to shoot at, that can be dangerous, right? You might shoot up in the air. And so we need to have a target, and so goals are targets. You don't always hit the bullseye. You don't always hit the mark. But you have a goal, that means you're shooting for something. And how many know, as I love this saying, and I have for many years, I learned from my pastor, if you reach for the stars, what happens? Anybody remember? If you reach for the stars, you will not come up with a fist full of mud. Okay, so if you're shooting high, that means you're not going to be you're not going to be grabbing low. If you if you're shooting low, then you're going to be grabbing low. Amen. But you got to shoot high, and you need to believe for some things this year in your life that you cannot do in your own power. And obviously, there's going to be some tangible, common sense things that you might have on your goals, things that are desires, things that are our wants. But I challenge you this year to believe God for some things that are miraculous. You know, when I prayed for that friend of mine's foot, that's stepping out. God wants you to step out this year and believe. We will see this year as much in this church and in our lives as we believe for. This year will be as good or bad as you make it. You realize that? You got to really realize that goals and, and, and your turnout has to do with your attitude and how you look at things. If you say, man, this is going to be an okay year, or man, this is going to be a bad year, or man, this is going to be another year just like last year, then it's going to be exactly what you just said it's going to be. you got to make a decision that, man, I'm going to see God move this year. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I saw. It matters what I know that God is and that God wants me to step up and believe with him for the impossible. Amen? So I'm going to have uh, Jeff put that up on the screen, put something on the screen. I want to leave there the whole time. I thought this was really awesome that as we write our goals, this is what you need to do. Write your goals in pencil. Now, I don't mean that literally today, okay? I don't mean that if you wrote them in pen, you need to throw them away, or, or if you typed them like I did, that you need to throw them away. But the idea is, write your goals in pencil, and then give God the pen. Okay, so you, you, you write down what, what you feel you should have, and then and with a pencil, that can be erased. And you give God the pen, and then God, with his pen, will sometimes write over your goals. Or maybe he'll, you know, when you, when you write something in pen... If it was written in pencil and you want to keep it, you just write over the pencil, right? It's kind of like an outline. So that's what I want you to have in your attitude this year and in your mind and in your spirit as we go through this year is I've got goals. I've got things I want God to do in my life. I've got things I want to see. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I want to do what God wants me to do. And you will find that a lot of times that the things that you want to do are not exactly what God wants you to do. And you'll read that in Isaiah 55. You'll read that in the chapter where it talks about it. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And so you've got to understand that I trust God, and God has the best intentions for me. How many believe that? That God has the best intentions. Now, a goal is this, the result or achievement toward which effort is directed. 
Think about that. Okay? It is, this is the, from the definition, it's the result or achievement toward which effort is directed. So what is your effort going to be directed towards this year? If you are directing your effort towards a prayer life, if you are directing your effort toward soul winning, if you are directing your effort towards generous giving, if you are directing your effort towards faithful, uh, uh, faithful attendance to church, if you're directing your effort towards godly things, you're going to have a great year. Amen? You're going to have an awesome year because you're going to be looking at what God wants. Those are ultimately God's uh, desires. And, and, of course, another one is the one I mentioned in the beginning, which is aim. So let's look at Habakkuk chapter 2. And you've probably heard this many times over the years, this chapter, because there's no better chapter or verse in the Bible for goals than this right here. Verse 1 says, I will stand my watch, set myself on the rampart, and watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I'm corrected. Now, how many know the start off this year, the best attitude I can have is God correct me. Come on, can I get a double amen on that? I, God, as I start this year, you know, this is the awesome thing is we're on January 3rd. There's a freshness. There's a newness. I, I've said that over and over again. There, it's crazy. It's just another year. It's just another day. But there really is a freshness in our mind and really a truth to the fact that this is a new beginning. It's a new year. And you can forget everything that was bad last year. And you even should forget what was good because this is a new year and you've got to see some new good. Amen? Don't live in the past, good or bad. Look at those things and learn from them, good or bad. But you can stand today and say, Lord, one of the things I want, and I'm saying this for myself, and this is one of my goals, is I want you to correct me. I want to be teachable. Teachable people go far, not only in God, but in life. Anybody who ever gets to a place where they feel like they don't need to be taught anymore or, or I've arrived or I've learned everything is trouble. I, I use often the example of my pastor, Pastor Jones, when I have preached in the home church or in a conference, the, when it blows me away when I look over him, I think he's on this side of the church, I look over him where Desi would be sitting and my pastor, who's been in the ministry for 45 or 50 years, is taking notes. That's humbling. But it's also smart. Because I see a man who is my leader and the man that I follow in Christ that he says, has said and is saying, I don't know it all. I can learn from somebody. I can learn right now. And you might, you might be in church this year. You might be in church this morning. You might be in a service. You might be in a Bible study. You might be in a prayer meeting. You might be at work. And you might hear something, and you might go, oh, I've heard that before. Just by me saying, open up to Habakkuk chapter 2, you might say, oh, I've heard this verse before. And you might begin to wander your mind on something else. But God has something new for you this morning. God has a different thing he's going to speak to you this morning from his word than he spoke last year or the year before or the year before or the year before. God has something new because his word is new. His word is alive. And so I just want to put that in your spirit. I wasn't even in my notes really, but as I read that again, he says, what, will I, what I will answer when I'm corrected. So God, correct me. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. And we always joke about how prophetic that was, right? That today we actually have tablets. That he may run who reads it. So we write something down so that I can run with it. And you might get to the middle of the year and you think, man, I, I, I had some goals, but what were they? Well, if they're written down, go back and look at them. If they're saving your computer or your phone, you can go back and check them out. But if you didn't write it down, you say, I'm just going to remember, I'm just going to go off memory, 
then, then you're going to have some troubles because you're going to be confused. He says, write it down. So if God says, write it down, I'm going to write it down. And he says, make it plain. Make it a way so that you can understand it. We go back to this again today. How many know that our vision and the Bible's vision is very simple? We're supposed to win people to the lost. We're supposed to disciple them how to be disciples of Christ. And we're supposed to multiply ourselves by planting churches and continuing to multiply the work around the world. It's a simple vision. And it's from Matthew 28. He said, go and preach the gospel to all nations. Teaching those things which I have taught you. And so we know this morning that the vision of our church is not hard. And you know what can happen sometimes? And I just want to interject this in here and throw it in here sometimes. It, this morning, sometimes we can, we can be in a vision that's very simple and we can feel like, oh, I'm bored. I'm bored with that simple vision. Okay? How many have ever eaten at In-N-Out Burger? Do I have any In-N-Out Burger fans in here? Have anybody ever not eaten In-N-Out Burger? Well, there's a bunch of them here. You should go try them. They're good. I give you my recommendation, okay? Frisco has them. Plano has them. Pretty soon they'll be in Denton. They're moving around. The reason I mention In-N-Out Burger of many places I could mention is they have about the simplest menu you could possibly have. They have about five things. I mean, variety is awesome, and, and having choices is awesome. But have you ever wanted to go eat somewhere and not think? Like, isn't it horrible when you want to go? In-N-Out Burger is a great place to go fellowship as a church because we need one up here so we can go do it. I know it's not the healthiest food in the world, but you go to a place where they have a big old menu and you're fellowshipping as a church and everybody's trying to talk and look at the menu at the same time. And the more options there are, the more confusing it is and the more discouraging it is because the waiter comes by like 10 times, hey, y'all ready? No, we haven't even looked yet. And then you begin to look at it and there's like 10 pages of options. And options are great, but man, you walk in and out burger, you got a single or a double cheese or no cheese. That's it. I mean, and then they have something that's secret that you can find out about, which is some crazy fries that they make, but it's not even on the menu. And that thing's been around for 60 years. That simple little menu. And I guarantee you, along the way, there's been about 5 billion hamburger joints that have come along that we don't know of today because they invented something new or they tried something new or they made this crazy menu and it, and it went out, out of style. How many know that simple works? Amen? Because if you make it plain, you make that vision plain, and you run with it, it's easy to see. And the cool thing that I like about In-N-Out Burger, too, and I really wasn't ever a fan, I used to hear about it a lot, is that they're, they have verses on everything in their, in their, in their business. They have a, a verse on their fries. They have a verse on their hamburger. They have a verse on their cups. They have a verse on everything. And I even went in to read the story that the founder, obviously, was a strong, strong believer. And uh, he had a granddaughter, and I think that she, if I remember right, she was the only heir. Can you believe that? Can you imagine being the only heir to In-N-Out Burger? And uh, she was like 18 years old when the, when the founder died. And so she was left with In-N-Out Burger. And so they did this, this thing in the will where she couldn't touch the money for a certain time, and then she could only be part of the company for a certain time, and then she had to work her way into it. But when she eventually got to be, I think, 30, and she could actually be a say in the company, she had the option where obviously she could have said, you know what, this, this, this Bible verse thing, let's get rid of that. Because it doesn't say that she's a believer. And uh, she could have easily taken that off. But what she did smartly was she said, this is working. I'm probably not going to mess with this. Let me just keep this how it is. And that's smart. When you see something that lasts, and I'm, I'm chasing a little rabbit here that I didn't have intended, but it's important. When you are... Uh, seeing something that has a lot of longevity, 
don't mess with it. Don't dabble with it. Don't change it. If you're here this morning and you've been saved for a while and you're seeing fruit in your life, don't get bored with that and say, let me see, let me try something different. Let me try something new. This, this is too monotonous. This is too boring. Success is never boring. Amen? Success is not boring. Success is good, but the, the devil will try to come tell you, you need to try something different. Amen? And how many know sometimes the changes aren't good? So write the vision, make it plain, for he who runs with it, may, who read, may, that he may run who reads it, watch this, for the vision is for an appointed time. So this year is 2016. This vision is for this year. And at the end it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries. That's important. Though it tarries, wait for it. How many know nothing good happens overnight? You're never going to see something strong and powerful and a great foundation built overnight. Because this is a, a word for all of us this morning. It says it will surely come. Okay, I want you to look at someone next to you and I want you to say, this is surely going to come to pass. And you say, what? And I say, whatever God has for your life. This will surely come to pass. You can be sure that if your plans are God's plans, it's going to happen. You can be sure, you can take that blank check to the bank and cash it. God is going to do something great in your life if you stay connected to him. It says it will surely come it will not tarry. Amen. God is going to do what he said he's going to do because his word cannot lie. His word is, like we sang this morning, everlasting. Now, verse 4. I'm going to read that in just a second. But as we, as we do, I want to I give you a few stories. These are, these are wonderful stories. Does anybody, has anybody shopped at Walmart recently? Amen. You can't get away from it. Amen. Everybody's got to go to Walmart. And Walmart is, as we know, the biggest store in the world, biggest company in the world, most wealthy. Uh, but, you know, when you look at Walmart, you don't realize the humble beginnings. Another thing you have to realize when you look at something that has lasted is that they had humble beginnings. You can't look at any company that is successful or any marriage that's successful or any family that's successful or a church that's successful or anything that's successful and think that one day to the next it became successful. One day to the next that was an amazing marriage. One day to the next that family had it all together. It doesn't happen like that. There's always humble beginnings and a lot of times people can look at your life and my life and our lives and what we do and they can say, man... Y'all are messed up. Y'all need some help and all kinds of things. And there was a guy named David Glass who was the CEO of Walmart from 1988 to 2000. So he was the head man for 12 years. But back in 1962, listen to those dates. He was the CEO from 88 to 2000. But in 1962, that's 26 years before, he heard of a guy named Sam Walton who was about to hold the grand opening for his second store in Harrison, Arkansas. Glass, who was running a successful drugstore chain in Missouri, decided to attend Sam Walton's grand opening. What he saw did not impress him. You see, Walton had dumped a couple of truckloads of watermelons in the parking lot. He had had a bunch of donkeys in the parking lot for kids to ride. Sounds good, right? Well, the problem is that the temperature was 115 degrees on the, on the asphalt of the parking lot. So as the afternoon went on and as it got hotter, the watermelons began to burst and splatter all over the place. And donkeys did what donkeys do. 
So looking back on that day, David Glass, the eventual CEO of Walmart, said the parking lot was a mess, inside the store was a mess, and he said, I thought Sam Walton is a nice fellow, but I wrote him off. How many times have we looked at a person or a people or a marriage and wrote them off? Okay? He said, I wrote Sam. How, how, when we, we, just to hear that sounds crazy that someone would write Sam Walton off. Right? You, 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 you can't put those two in the same sentence. How do you write Sam Walton off? Well, he must have not had it all together at some time. He said it was the worst store operation I've ever seen. Well, 25 years later, David Glass was working for Sam Walton as president of what had become the most successful chain of retail stores in the world. And Glass explained this. There was something inside Sam Walton that made him better every day. You know, that's all we need. That's all, as I look at that video, it reminds me of that. That's all we need, believers. We just need to believe that every day God can make me better. I mean, we are, we are in something that is so awesome because this isn't like a motivational speech from some company. This is a motivational speech from the Word of God. And we're not linking up with some successful person. We're linking up with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? And so when we link up with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, good things can happen. Amen? He was not a man, he said, who set up impossible ideas, ideals, but he was a man who always aimed for a goal. So sometimes when you look at success, pray and say, God, help me not totally just idolize that thing until I see some longevity. Okay, because a lot of times we, are, as people, are quick to crown people king or the best or the amazing. And you think back to our lives of like the one-hit wonders, you know. My man, Vanilla Ice, man, you know, the one I get. I just had a friend on Facebook just tell me the other day I still look like Vanilla Ice. I don't, I don't know if that's current or past or what. But I used to be called Vanilla Ice all the time. I don't know if anybody knew that. One time I played a high school game, and I was a visiting game, and it was a very good school. They had won the state championship. And uh, I was having a good game, but the crowd was on me. And I went to the free throw line, and as I'm bouncing the ball, the whole gym started going doom, 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 ice, ice, baby, as I'm shooting a free throw. Crazy, right? Yeah. So I don't know if I made the free throw or not, to be honest with you, but it was crazy. And so uh, why did I say that anyways? Okay, one hit wonders. One hit wonders. Come back around. One hit wonders. We hear these people and they're like, man, this, this, this vanilla ice is going to be the most amazing rapper ever or whatever. We, all these people, they had one song ever that made them famous. And, and, but then there's others who've been longevity and been along and might have heard a song like that. It's a horrible song. And here they are. You've heard stories of Elvis Presley and all kinds of other different people who people didn't give them a chance. Don't, don't be quick to crown something as, as, as God or, or right until you see some longevity in it. Amen? So verse 5, right there in Habakkuk chapter 2, says, sorry, I skipped that, verse 4. Uh, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now the reason I say that verse is you look at somebody like this uh, David Glass who ended up being the CEO of Walmart, and you say, wow, that's great, but wouldn't it be better to own your own business than to work for somebody else? 
So because of his attitude, thinking, man, this guy ain't got nothing together, he had a successful chain of, it said, I think, pharmacies, I think I said, and, and, and that successful chain didn't last. So wouldn't it have been better maybe to humble himself a little bit and not be looking at the other person like, man, they don't got it all together, and stayed the course on what he was doing instead of being more busy about who, how the grass looked at the yard next door and mowing his own grass. How many know we need to mow our own grass? pick our own weeds, and paint our own house, amen, before we start worrying about everybody else's. If you'll just do that, you'll be in a good place. And so he, 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 he fell because of pride. Verse 5, indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man and he does not stay at home because he enlarges his desire as hell. He's like death and cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. Now, how many know that Rockefeller was the very first billionaire in our country? Everybody know that name? John Rockefeller, right? First billionaire. Proverbs 21.5. I'm giving you these stories because these are real-life stories. Amen? And uh, I know that some of you haven't heard these stories before. And they're, if you have, they're good to hear again. Amen? Proverbs 21, 20, 21 verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. How many want to be diligent in what you're doing? The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. I want to read something about John Rockefeller. He was the very first person to reach the status of billionaire in our country. Now, we know since then there's been many, probably hundreds, even today that are billionaires, but he was a man who knew how to set goals and follow through. Me and my wife were talking about this the other day where you have to learn to set goals. The fact that you're here this morning and if you wrote any goals down and, 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 and did that, it may be new to you, it may be foreign to you, it may seem like, why do I do this? Do I need to do this? And I used to be that way too. I used to be that way too until I worked for a man who set goals and became a self-made millionaire. And when I saw that he set goals, I said, I'm going to set goals. Amen. And so when you see someone do something right, then you follow what they did right. And so I said, I'm going to begin to set goals. I've never fulfilled every one of my goals in a year, but I've always fulfilled some of them. And I've also fulfilled many goals uh, that were in my heart that I didn't have down on paper. And I think I mentioned that Wednesday or Sunday night, uh, how awesome it was four, I think maybe five years ago now, when we were able to buy a house here and weren't even looking to buy a house. We hadn't, it wasn't even on the goals. It wasn't even in our thoughts to buy a house. And then God helped us buy a house. So when you are not looking for the things for yourself and you're putting God first, as Pastor Andrew said in the offering, God steps in and begins to say, you know what? I'm looking at my child and they love me and they're doing good and they're doing right and their hearts are pure. I'm going to begin to give them some of these desires that they don't even, they're, 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 these are, they're not even asking for this, but I'm going to give it to them and they can say, man, that was God all the way. Amen. Nudge somebody and say, God is going to do something awesome in you this year. Amen. Something you're not even expecting. So at the age of 23, he had become a millionaire. How many would like to be a millionaire at 23? By the age of 50, a billionaire. Now, that's in perspective to, you know, 80 years ago, right? How much that would be today. It says, every decision, attitude, and relationship that he had was created or tailored to create his personal power and wealth. But, let me know there's always a but in situations. At the age of 53, he became ill. 
Three years later, at 53, after becoming a billionaire, he became ill. We've talked a lot recently about what good does it do to be rich and have a lot of money if you can't buy your health. So he became super, super sick at 53. His entire body became racked with pain, lost all the hair on his head in complete agony. The world's only at the time billionaire could buy anything he wanted, but he could only eat milk and crackers. Can you imagine having the money to buy anything you want to eat and all you can digest is milk and crackers? An associate wrote, he can't sleep, he wouldn't smile, and nothing in life meant anything to him and his personal, highly skilled physician said he'll be dead within a year. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine being that wealthy and having that much stuff and being miserable? There's a lot of people like that. That year passed agonizingly slow. As he approached death, he woke one morning with the vague remembrance of a dream. He could barely recall the dream, but he knew it had something to do with not being able to take any of his successes with him into the next world. The man who could not control, who could control business, worlds, suddenly realized he was not in control of his own life. He was left with a choice. He immediately called his attorneys, accountants, and managers and announced that he wanted to channel his assets to hospitals, research, and mission work for churches. On that day, John Rockefeller established a foundation. This new direction eventually led, listen to this, to the, to the discovery of penicillin. John Rockefeller had to do with the discovery of penicillin and for cures for current strains of malaria, tuberculosis, and diphtheria. He ended up living to be 97 years old, died in in his sleep as a God-fearing, church-attending Christian, and in his life gave over $530 million away. Amen? $530 million. What did he learn? He learned, I can't do anything without God. He had goals that he had written down in pencil, and he allowed God to take the pen. Amen? Do you realize this year, this is, again, this is not like a, I don't do this all year. I do this at the beginning of the year to motivate you to believe for crazy things and great things and big things. Do you believe that there could be a millionaire sitting among us right now? Do you believe that God could take someone in this room and turn them into a millionaire? Turn them into somebody, and it could be somebody It might be the least, least likely. Do you believe someone could turn someone in this place that's not right now into a pastor, an evangelist? Do you believe God could use some people this year to raise someone from the dead? Do you believe that God could do, do amazing things this year with just who's sitting in this place right now? I do. And we can, if we'll connect with God and stand up and say, God, if you can do anything, if you can use anything, you can use me, God will do it. Luke chapter 14, verse 28 says, Which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. How many have ever seen somebody, or maybe it's you, you don't have to raise your hand, and you've started something, but you don't finish it? All of us have done it, but that's something that cannot become a habit with us. We can't be people who consistently start stuff and don't finish. Amen? We have to be people who consistently... Am I I dying there? All right. We have to be people who consistently... Uh, are believing that God can help us finish. I said at the end of this year, finish strong. 
I'm already challenging you right now on January 3rd to finish 2016 strong. Amen? It doesn't do any good for us to have served God and lived for God and done things for God if we don't finish. So make sure that you look at your life this morning and say, am I, am I counting the cost to be a disciple of Jesus? How many have, have, have come to find out whether it's six months, a year, five years, serving Jesus is the best in the world, but it's also the hardest? Has anybody come to find that out? It's not an easy road. But it's the best road. It's the most awesome road you can be on. But it's a tough road. And it's not for the weak. And it's not for the soft hearted. It's not for people who don't have drive. It's for people who believe in miracles and stand up and say, I'm, me and God are an army with the Lord. And we can do an awesome thing this year together. Amen. Let me read another story. Four men who used to meet together every week in Memphis. One man was a service station owner. One man was a salesman for a wholesale appliance company. One man was an assistant treasurer of a large corporation. And one man was a teacher. Real good variety there. These men shared with each other their longings, their desires, and their plans. They decided to set goals. I want you to really pay attention to this story. They decided to set goals and sat down with each other to talk about them. The service station owner said, I want to be making 50000 a year within five years. Now, this is an old story, okay? The wholesale appliance salesman, I want to be making 25000 a year within the next five years. The teacher set a goal to be teaching in one of the greatest educational institutions in America within five years. The assistant treasurer said he was going to do the best he could, but he was not going to set a specific goal. And they left the room. Five years later, the service station owner was making more than 50000 a year. Today, he was worth over $1 million. Within four years, the wholesale appliance salesman was making 25000 a year. Today, he's a wealthy man. In two years and 10 months, the teacher was offered the best teaching field, job, field, job in his field in the United States. And last but not least, the assistant treasurer is still working at the same job in the circumstances that he was the day the goals were not set. Aim determines direction. If you're okay with, with having the same year this year that you did last year, you will. And again, this, this is not just a money thing or a physical thing. It should be everything. But it should always have at the very top God and his, and his plans. It, I saw a little thing the other day that said, my goals, read the Bible, obey it. If you can't get all any goals together, get those two together this year. Read the Bible, obey it. Because really, that's what it really comes down to, but that doesn't take, take you off the hook. You should really write some other things down. But it, it wouldn't do any good to write down 10 amazing goals if you didn't do that one. Read the Bible, obey it. Do what it says. So Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision and make it plain. I want you to write two things down this morning as we close. Two important principles. How many know principles are important? Foundations, things we, we say, I, I need to do this. Number one, it was mentioned at the offering, already let in. I've said it several times, keep God first. That's the principle to setting goals, that God be involved. Good would it do to, to make goals. Now, you might say, 
You know, there's a lot of people today that make goals without God and they're successful and they do all kinds of things and their success is going to end when they die. That's the amazing thing about serving God. That's the cool thing about serving God. Whether you do something amazing on the earth or not really doesn't matter. It's what you do for heaven that matters. Okay? Now, if you can do both, that's awesome. That's even, that's even greater. But focus on making things that you do as goals, things that will affect the kingdom of God. And like I said, as you do that, as you keep that priority first, God will take care of all the other things that are not his priorities, but he wants to give them to you because he's a good father. Psalms 37.4, if you'll write that down after number one, says this, delight yourself in the Lord. Now this is kind of like a tie-in to Matthew 6.33 of the New Testament. These two are perfectly hand in hand, Old Testament and New Testament. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will do what? Does anybody know what it says? He will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? I believe there's some people in here who have seen that come to pass. I believe there's some people in here who know that's true. If you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Meaning if you'll just stay focused on him, he'll give you those things that are not spiritual, that don't mean anything, but they're just something that you want. It's just something that'll make you say, man, God loves me. God loves me. It's like, it's like the birthday, sorry, not the birthday gift. It's like the flowers or the gift, guys, that you should give to your wives on a day that's not a birthday, and they're called just because. And I know I just stepped on some toes there. My God, my got you in trouble, but you can start this year. Amen? There's nothing better than your wife saying, what's this for? And you say, just because. Oh, got quite, hey, ladies, can I get some help here? Man, I know you ain't trying to make your husband mad or nothing, but come on. You can start new this year, amen? Why'd you do that? Just because. Well, isn't it awesome when God gives us a just because? God, what did I do? No, you didn't do anything. Matter of fact, you've been a real brat this no skin. You didn't do anything. I just wanted to bless you. You've been walking with me. You've been listening to me. You've been praying. You've been spending time with me. I've been seeing you focused on my kingdom. I just want to bless you. Now, God will give those things to you. God will give those. Here, I just want to bless you. Number two, keep your priorities right. Keep your priorities straight. Okay? It's so funny. Once again, me and my dad are always laughing about this and joking about this, how, how the Holy Spirit leads. I promise you, we don't ever, ever talk, ever, ever about what I'm going to preach, what he's going to talk about the offering, ever. It's always amazing. He mentioned, he pretty much said my message at the offering because he talked about making priorities about what you buy you know you don't have if you don't have the money for something you don't go do it and that's what a priority is a priority is this and taking care of your necessities first then your desires okay many people struggle and have troubles because they've spent their their personal desires on their necessities or the lack of, and they, they, they had a, a bill, they said I had to pay my electric bill for $100, and I spent 50 eating, and then I don't have money for my electric bill, you're not taking care of your necessities first, you're taking care of your personal desires, and that'll continue to get you in trouble over and over again, and it, that can kind of go into spiritual too. If you don't take care of your daily prayer life, if you don't take care of reading the word and getting a devotion cracked open and doing the things that you should do spiritually, then the physical things of life are going to overcome you. I want you to stop for a moment as I'm, I'm finishing this morning and give you a thought. Think of those days 
that you had a bad thought, that you got angry, that you did something you regret, and just think back to that day, how your prayer life was that morning, and did you read the word? Just think about that. Maybe, maybe it's not fresh enough to, but go forward and just, just think about those things. You'll see that the days that you set goals to pray and set your priorities right, I'm telling you, I've, honest to God, I've never had a bad day that started in good prayer. Can I say that again? I've never had a bad day that started in good prayer. So if you'll start on your knees and start with a devotion, that ought to be one of your biggest goals this year, praying, reading the word. And another thing tied to that is you ought to learn how to pray by watching other people, and you ought to go buy some good devotionals if you don't have them. Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth has good devotion. Go get something. You say, I don't know what to read. I don't know how to read. Get a devotional and read something every day with a thought from somebody because sometimes we don't know how to bring the thoughts together. And so the more you're filling yourself up with, the more you're going to help keep your priorities right. Proverbs 24, 27 says this, prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field and afterward build your house. Okay, let me read that again. Proverbs 24, 27. Prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward build your house. That means that you cannot sit in your house and drink coffee that you haven't paid for. Okay, you have to go out and work to pay the bills for your house and then enjoy it. That makes sense? You've got to take care of the priority first. He's saying go and do the thing you're supposed to do first and then let the rest take care of itself. Amen? Last story as the musicians can come this morning. Keep your eyes on, a, on your goal. There was a swimmer back in the 1950s who, who was wanting to swim from the shore of California to Catalina Island. Anybody ever been to Catalina Island in California? I knew it growing up because we lived close to California. I don't know exactly what the distance was, but she had already, listen, this is amazing, she had already been the first female to swim the English Channel both ways. That's a long ways. So she was accomplished, and this is something I want you to think of too. Don't think this morning, well, I've already accomplished something, I'm good. I've already made it through 10 years, I'm good for the 11th. You need to stay humble. Okay, stay humble. Uh, People that are successful, stay humble. So she gets out to swim, and she'd, again, already done the English Channel. So if she'd already swam the English Channel twice, going from an island, from California to an island, which was a shorter distance, must have seemed like a cakewalk. Ah, this is easy. What does the Bible say? Pride comes before a fall. So she's going to do this, and she's probably thinking, man, I could do this in my sleep. How many times have we done that with something? I got this. I got this. I've done this. I've done this Christian thing before. You know what? The devil don't care how many years you've lived for him, for God. He still wants to try to chip you up. He wants you as a trophy. One of the things I, I hate, and I say that word strong, hate, is to see a Christian fall and become a trophy for the devil. I hate it. He's looking for trophies. He, he, he loves to trip up a Christian. He loves to cause a Christian to backslide. 
So don't think that because you've done it before, you can do it again. So she gets out, and that, that morning was foggy and chilly. She could hardly even see the boats that were around her accompanying her as she swam. And she swam for 15 hours. I couldn't swim for 15 minutes. 15 hours. Listen to this. When she begged to, take, to be taken out of the water on the way, she didn't make it. Her mother, in the boat alongside, that she could barely even see, told her she was close. She said, honey, you're close. You can make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled into the boat. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered she was just a few hundred yards from the end, from the, from the island. Just, it was just right there. At a news conference the next day, she said, all I could see was the fog. Think about that. When you're really trying to do something in your life, and especially for God, the devil's going to put that fog around you. He's going to make it seem like you cannot finish and, and that goal's insurmountable and that marriage is impossible and that, that, that vision is not doable. And he's going to put that fog in front of you. She says, all I could see was fog. And she was only a couple hundred yards away. I believe with all my heart, that's Christians every day, all day around the world that are so close to finishing the, the race like Paul did and they quit right before they get to the end amen how many can relate to those words because this is what she says all i could see was the fog and she says i think if i could have seen the shore i would have made it that's that's the thing though the just shall live by faith we walk by faith not by sight so you cannot be trying to see the end when you just have to trust God and say, God, I know you know where the end is. You know my end from my beginning. Take me to the finish line, God. And what, do you have to, what did she have to do? She just needed to stay in the water. What have I told you a million times? What do you got to do? You just got to stay in the race. Amen? You just got to stay in the race.